You are listening to the First Baptist Church Martin podcast. For more information on our church, visit fbcmartin.org. Now, you should have found your place there in Luke chapter 6. This morning, we are going to be looking at the command to love your enemies. And I would ask you if you wouldn't mind stand in honor of the reading of God's Word. We're going to be reading Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. And there it says, But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters in Christ this morning to to gather in honor of you as we lift our eyes to the hills where we know our help comes from. We look to you, Father. We ask that you would hear our prayers, hear our praises, receive them, Lord, as an offering that is worthy to such a wonderful God. And all glory be to Christ this morning, Father. Help us to worship Christ and continue our worship of Christ from song and now to the preaching of your word. Lord, help us to not just be hearers, but to be doers of your word this morning. We pray, Holy Spirit, you would move in the depths of our hearts, break up and and warm any bitterness and and, and cold that is found there and the stone that is found there and help us find joy in your word. Help us find awe and wonder in the things of your word and in these words of Christ. And let all glory be to him as we seek to apply it to our lives and obey him as our master and our Lord. Lord, we pray that this, honor, that this time would honor you and glorify you because it's all to your glory. Father, we pray all this in the precious name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen. You can have a seat. Well, if you don't have your uh, New Year's resolutions ready, you've got just a few more hours. Um, maybe some of you have... New Year's resolutions, and you've got plans, you've got everything laid out. This month, I'm going to have a small goal of achieving my larger goal by the end of the year. And then maybe there's others like me who probably have good intentions, Uh, not a lot of good plans, nothing really um, firm (laughs) and ready to jump into beginning tomorrow morning. I think uh, as we consider the new year, it's a great time to, to consider new beginnings, consider ways that we can begin new habits and, and better uh, routines and, and discipline ourselves in new things. I think it's a good time for all believers, 
see if you agree with me, to consider ways that we can be more like Christ in the new year. How can we be more Christ-like in 2024? What does that look like? What are practical things we could put into practice to help us to be more Christ-like in 2024? Maybe you're um, kind of anticipating where I'm going to head next, but our text this morning, it says to love your enemies. And I think with such a, a strong and heavy command of Christ, it would be a good place to and a good time as well to consider how we're obeying this command. To be more like Christ, we have to love our enemies. We have to be not just hearers of the word like he says there in verse 27, I say to you who hear. I, I hope that we understand he's going to say as well, and he implies, be those who do love your enemies. So, do you love your enemies? Yes or no? It feels like the, the Mount Everest of Christ's commands, doesn't it? Jesus sets this incredibly difficult standard for his followers. We all kind of feel the weight of it. We're nervous as we hear this command. And while we all long to be obedient to all of Christ's commands, amen, we do long to be obedient to all of his commands. A lot of us hear Jesus say, love your enemies, and we do a double take. Right? If we're honest with ourselves, this, one of the most difficult commands of Christ to obey, is one that many of us choose not to obey at all. And that's true. I don't need you to nod your head or give me an amen. I know it's true. It's incredibly hard. It's incredibly hard for myself as well. But as disciples of Christ, we must take seriously all of his commands, even the most difficult ones. So, I also want to say, just before jumping into it, I think it's fitting to talk about loving your enemies the Sunday after Christmas, because isn't God sending his son in the likeness of man to be crucified for the sins of man one of the greatest demonstrations of love for enemies? It is. I mean, God doesn't just ask us to do something he's not willing to do himself. He did this for us. His enemies, that's who we were. Think about the, the Christmas carols, the hymns that we sing at this time of year. Recently, we've been singing, one of my favorites says this, Mild he lays his glory by, born that man no more may die, born to raise the sons of earth, born to give them second birth. Born was Christ, God himself, came in flesh, born that man, his enemy, no, may no more die. Born that his enemies may be raised up to walk in the newness of life. Born to give his enemies second birth. That's what we're singing about. God, our Father, and Christ, our Savior, loved us while we were still his enemies. And our text today teaches us that our pursuit of Christ-likeness means we've got to do the same. We've got to do the same if we want to be like Christ. We're going to see from our passage this morning that being like Christ means loving your enemies, and there's no way to get around that. Being like Christ means loving your enemies. And we're going to see as we make our way through the passage 
three very practical ways that Jesus says you can do this. So the first of the, of the three practical ways we can do this comes to us from verses 27 through 30. Let me read that again, if you would follow along with me. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. So Jesus gives this command, love your enemies. Think about who he's saying that to. He's saying that to a people who were in that moment ruled by their enemies. What an incredibly difficult task. He's saying this to a people who for generations have been oppressed and who are very familiar with being mistreated by their enemies. That's who he tells to love their enemies. Now, I'm sure when Jesus said this, many of his hearers thought to themselves, no, wait, 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 Jesus, before I agree to this whole love your enemies thing, I'm really going to need you to define what you mean by love. Surely it's not what I'm thinking. Why don't you help me understand, Jesus, what you mean by love? And I think that's a fair question. So let's take a second. What does Jesus mean when he says love your enemies? Well, the, the, the Bible, if you've got your copy there, the, the New Testament portion of your Bible was written originally in the Greek language, okay? Very different is Greek from English, incredibly different. As a matter of fact, one way it's really different is that they have all these different words, many words, as a matter of fact, to express the word love, okay? We really just have the one, and we abuse the word love, don't we? I love hot dogs. I love donuts. I love my wife. That's odd, to say the least, right? And so, it's good to think about which one of these words Jesus himself chose to use when he said, love your enemies. Jesus doesn't use the word for passionate love here. There's a word in Greek for that. He doesn't use the word for brotherly love here either. He uses a word maybe you've heard before. It's agape. He uses the word agape, and that's the type of love he's referring to. This word, maybe you've heard it explained this way, is a lot like unconditional love. But I would argue that kind of falls short. One theologian defines agape like this. Agape describes an active feeling of benevolence towards other people. It means that no matter what others do to us, we will never allow ourselves to desire anything but their highest good. And we will deliberately and with set purpose go out of our way to be good and kind to them. That's big. Unconditional love, agape love, this love that no matter what someone does to you, you're going to always wish the best for them. Their highest good, it says. And with set purpose, you're going to go out of your way, regardless what they do to you, regardless how different they are from you. You're going to be kind to them. You're going to do good to them. I love this story that I think really sums up this kind of love. Uh, it's a story of Peter Miller and Michael Whitman. Uh, during the Revolutionary War, 
there was a Baptist pastor by the name of Peter Miller. He lived about 60 miles from Philadelphia. Go birds. For 20 years, Miller was persecuted by a man named Michael Whitman. What do you mean by persecuted, David? He, uh, he, he, he told people bad things under his breath, behind his back. What, what, what did he do? Did he leave him hate mail? And he talked bad about him in his Facebook post. Like, what did he do? This was real deal, persecution that Whitman committed against Peter Miller. He repeatedly spit on him in public repeatedly struck him in the face in public, repeatedly damaged his church building, among other things. And Miller, all the while, he endures all of this with humble Christ-likeness. Never that we know of, never did he speak a crossword to Whitman or against Whitman for all of this mistreatment that he put him through. Whitman would eventually be found guilty of treason and sentenced to death. And upon hearing this, Pastor Peter Miller set out on foot to meet with then General George Washington to intercede on Whitman's behalf. Washington listened as he talked about his desire to free Whitman, but ultimately he said he could not pardon Miller's friend. My friend, Miller said. This man is not my friend. This man is my worst enemy. By no means is he my friend. Washington was probably pretty shocked at this. What? He replies. Have you walked 60 miles to save the life of your enemy? That, Washington says, in my judgment, puts the matter in a different light. I will grant your request. So with pardon in hand, Miller runs, 15 miles, runs to the place of Whitman's execution. Arrives just in time as his adversary for 20 years is about to be hanged. And Whitman, when he sees him, shouts in anger, Old Peter Miller, here coming to seek his revenge as he watches me hang. But to his astonishment... He watched the pastor that he persecuted for 20 years step out of the crowd and produce the pardon that would spare his life. That's the kind of understanding of love that we need to have when we hear Jesus say, love your enemies. That is set purpose to do good and kind things to them. That is, no matter what he does to me, I will only wish for his highest good. And that's the kind of love that's key to loving your neighbors. It brings us to our first point for the morning. If you're taking notes, Jesus is saying that you must love your enemies by treating them with kindness. Love your enemies by treating them with kindness. Before I go any further, I know a lot of you are probably thinking, yeah, but you don't know how bad it's gotten. You don't know what this person's done to me. You don't know how I feel inside. I could never do that. I could never love an enemy. I could never be kind to them after all they've done to me. And I know that our feelings often get in the way of us obeying this command. I know that. 
But I'm sorry, Jesus just doesn't say that you need to feel affection towards your enemies to treat them with kindness. He doesn't. Your obedience to this command has nothing to do with your feelings. Look at verses 27 and, and, and verse 30. Doing good, blessing, praying for, offering, and not withholding, giving, and not demanding. All of these can be done despite your feelings, can't they? Jesus is giving us these radical examples, one after another, of how to love your enemies, how to be kind to them. It says, do good to those who hate you. When you're cursed, think about being insulted. You are to bless them. That means speak well of them, maybe even honor them. When you're abused, mentally, physically, emotionally abused. Jesus says to pray for your abusers. When someone strikes you on the face, you are to unironically welcome them to take another shot. When someone steals from you, you do not withhold your other belongings. Imagine chasing down a purse snatcher, chasing down a pickpocket and said, no, 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 hold on, hold on. You forgot my phone. That's what it says, does it not? Again, none of these require affection for your enemy. But let me tell you what it does require. This tall task, this difficult thing Christ is calling us to do, it requires a lot of confidence in God's care for you. It requires a lot of confidence in God's sovereignty and his control over your circumstances. He knows what you're going through. He knows how bad it's gotten. He knows what they said. He knows how you've been hurting and crying and, and, and in pain for however long it's been with this enemy. He knows. But like he tells us in Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. You don't have to go fight. He will do the fighting for you. He will fight for you. Listen, as believers, your response has to look different from the world's response when it comes to mistreatment. The world says, eye for an eye. The world says, meet me outside. The world says, I'll catch you in the Facebook comment section. You're not supposed to do that. Not you, disciple of Christ, brother and sister. That's not what you're supposed to do. Christ's followers respond with generosity, with compassion. That's what we see here. They respond with kindness, not retaliation. That's not what we see in the words of Christ. It's not what we see in the example of Christ. And of course, Christ's example is the greatest example of this, isn't it? He loves his enemies while he hangs and dies on their cross. He prayed for his abusers and his murderers. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There's nothing else to do but to ask, I mean, how are you doing with this command? Are you 
obeying Christ's command to love your enemies? Are you willing to be kind to your enemies? Is there anyone you refuse to love? Do you try to justify not being kind to someone? Not being kind or not loving your enemy? If so, brothers and sisters in Christ, Christ is truly not ruling over your life. Do you do good to those who hate you or do you do evil towards them? If Christ is the king of your heart, you will love your enemies by treating them with kindness. Let's move on. Looking at verses 31 through 34 for our next point. It says there, And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So verse 31, you look there, you probably see something familiar. That is the the very famous golden rule, right? As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And it's that simple. That's our second point. Love your enemies by treating them as you wish to be treated. Love your enemies by treating them as you wish to be treated. Again, Christ says, your response has to look different from this world. The way you interact, the way you treat others has to look different from this world. He says, treat others as you wish to be treated, which means... You have no ulterior motives. You have no conditions. I know, I know that a lot of us wish Jesus had said, treat others as you wish to be treated unless they treat you like garbage. Then you're off the hook. Or maybe we wish that he'd said, treat them as they've treated you. But it's just not what he said, is it? Jesus makes it very, very clear, painfully clear. Loving the lovable and doing good to those who do good to you is obviously not that difficult if sinners can do it apart from Christ. Neither is agreeing to lend to someone when you know you'll receive it back. He says even sinners do that. That's what the world does. That's that's how the world acts. That's not how Christ did it. This kind of love requires no special effort on your part, and you know it. It doesn't require kindness. It doesn't require compassion. It's not hard to do that. I truly believe that's what Jesus is saying. It's not hard to love like that. But Christ's example of loving his enemies, that was very hard. And that's the one we are to follow. And when I say Christ's enemies, again, I'm not referring to the Romans. I'm not referring to the Pharisees. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Romans 5.8 says, But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners... 
Christ died for us. Just two verses later, Paul's going to say that you're the enemies of God. He's going to say it exactly like that. So think now with me about how God loved you while you were not loving towards him. Think with me about how God did good to you even though you were not doing good towards him. And think about how God has credited you something that you can never repay. Praise God he didn't treat us the way that we treated him. By saying, treat them as you wish to be treated, Jesus is really just turning this back on us, isn't he? He forces us to ask ourselves, well, before I overreact, before I do what my evil, wicked heart wants me to do, let me, let me ask, how do I wish to be treated in a situation like this? How would I want to be treated if I were in their shoes? So when stress causes you to lash out and gets the better of you, when you tear someone down behind their back and you know you did wrong, when you lie, when you fail and you fall to temptation yet again and, and commit that sin you've been wrestling with, how do you wish to be treated? Jesus forces you to look away from the sins that are being committed against you and tells you to look at yourself. Let's just do a little exercise this morning, okay? Show of hands, who's thankful for God's kindness this morning? All right, leave them up if you think you deserve it. There we go. Just like that, so much, so much of our anger, of our desire to retaliate, it's neutralized, isn't it? I mean, thinking this way is part of, of practicing love for your enemies. It's got to be something that we build a habit of thinking like. John Piper says, Our only hope for loving our enemy is to be a new creation in Christ. And our only hope for being a new creation in Christ is to be reconciled to God through the death of His Son. It means to cease to be the enemy of God through Jesus Christ. Maybe you think when you hear that statement, yeah, I did that a long time ago. That was for when I didn't believe and, and now I do. And so I did that. That's back in the past. No, that's something that we all need every single day to remember. It's not just for new believers. We all need to hold fast to this loving kindness that's been shown to us by God. We need to remember the kindness Christ has shown us. Because it will help us to love our enemies. The grace and mercy that Christ has shown you can empower you to love those who actively give you a reason not to. The only way to love your enemy is to stop being God's enemy. And the only way to treat your enemy as you wish to be treated is to remember how God treated you when you were still his enemy. 
Let's move on to the last two verses, verses 35 and 36. There it says, but love your enemies and do good, lost it, sorry, and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful even as your Father is merciful. So Jesus is summarizing a lot of what He's already said in this passage, right? He says, love your enemies, do good, lend, expecting nothing in return. We've covered that, but now he goes one step further. And he goes on to say, do these things and your reward will be great. So by treating our enemies with kindness, by treating our enemies the way that we want to be treated somehow, we can expect a great reward? What reward is Jesus referring to there? What reward do you have to look forward to as you live this countercultural lifestyle of loving your enemies? Well, I think 1 Peter 4.14 can help us understand that. There it says, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed. Why? Because the spirit of glory and God rests upon you. So think about that. As you are persecuted, as you are insulted, consider it a blessing because the very Spirit of God is resting upon you. And as the Spirit of God rests upon you, I believe that that is an opportunity for you to show the world what your God is like. As you love your enemies, you are blessed with this opportunity to show them who your God is, what His forgiveness is like, what kindness is like, despite not deserving it. And I think, too, this is what Jesus means when He goes on to say right after that, and you will be sons of the Most High. Now, let's just get it out of the way. When He says you will be sons of the Most High, He doesn't mean that if you love your enemies, you earn the right to be called the sons of the Most High. That can't be what he means. That would contradict so many other things that Jesus has said. That would support a salvation by works. You cannot earn your salvation, no matter how many of the commands of Christ you obey. We receive salvation. We receive the right to be called sons of God, John says, by putting our faith in Christ. And it's our faith alone that can do that. No, he doesn't mean that you can earn it. Instead, Jesus means that by loving your enemies, you're going to demonstrate to the world that you are sons and daughters of the Most High. You show your enemies what your Father is like as you imitate His kindness and compassion towards them. You show them what the Father is like by treating them the way God has treated you. This is our final point for the morning. You must love your enemies by reflecting your Father's character. Love your enemies by reflecting your Father's character. To be a child of God is to reveal the character of God. I'll say it again. To be a child of God is to reveal the character of God. As sons and daughters of the Most High, you're forgiven, you're shown mercy, you're loved. Now go forgive, go show mercy, go love others. 
even your enemies. There are two characteristics of the Father that Jesus highlights in these last two verses that I believe he's telling us we must reflect to our enemies. Verse 35, there it says, For he, that's the Most High, is kind. Kind to the ungrateful and the evil. And in verse 36, he says, Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. So those two characteristics, kindness and mercy. These are the characteristics of God, that Christ says we must show our enemies, that we must reflect. I mean, this is how God treated you, isn't it? We've already covered this, but when you were ungrateful towards God, when you were evil, that's who we were. Scripture tells us that's who we were. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. Following the course of this world, not following the course of God and his kingdom and Christ. No, following the course of this world. Following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh. Carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And were by nature children of wrath. Not by nature godly people who love to go to church every Sunday. We were by nature children of wrath, enemies with God like the rest of mankind, it says. That's who you were when God chose to be kind to you. You were his enemy. As children of God, this is the kindness, this is the mercy, this is the love that we're supposed to show to those who actively oppose us. Again, we were ungrateful, we were evil. And as you try to practice loving your enemies, you're going to run into a lot of ungrateful people. You're going to run into a lot of evil people. Maybe you're thinking of some right now. You should not be shocked and surprised that they're out there. You were once one of them. Paul said. And it's only by the mercy and kindness of God that you no longer are. And so as you interact with ungrateful people, evil people, remember, God was kind to you when you acted that way towards Him. God was merciful towards you when you acted that way towards Him. And let that be the example you follow as you strive to be kind and merciful towards the ungrateful and the evil. Even though they will oppose us, you are told, be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Jesus just simply refuses to let us get around it or to, to cut corners. Just simply commands that we do as he does. And as God's children, we are to reflect God's character by being merciful as he is merciful. So again, you must love your enemies by reflecting your father's character towards them. All right? So let me ask this morning, just as we wrap up, have you experienced 
the kindness and mercy of God? Have you truly experienced the kindness and mercy of God? Do you realize that's what you've experienced? Do you realize the situation you were in when he called you? When he chose to be kind to you? Maybe you're here today and you haven't. Maybe you're here today and you don't know the kindness and the mercy of God. I mean, if you think about what we've been celebrating the last few weeks, it's a great kindness, a great mercy of God to send his only begotten son down to earth. One of the most humbling acts ever done. God would humble himself and be clothed in flesh, not just as a man, but as a baby. That's what we've been celebrating This gift that God has given to us so that we might have a means to be right with God, to be at peace with God. Let me tell you this morning, God is so good, God is so holy, God is so perfect that he must demand the same thing of his creatures. And if there's anything less than perfect, if there's anything less than good, if there's anything less than holy, he must punish it. Now, man is all those things. Man is unholy. Man is ungood. Man is imperfect. That's who we all are, and we know it. And so it's a great problem that we have knowing that God must punish sin and unrighteousness and wickedness in this world. But praise be to God, He, through the Christ child, provided the very thing that He required of us. He sent down the very thing He was asking us to do. Christ came and lived a perfect life. He checked all the boxes. He fulfilled the law perfectly because God knew that you couldn't. And all he simply asks, after giving his perfect life on the cross, paying the penalty that we deserve, and taking all of the reward that he receives, his righteousness, his presence, or or his his, uh, right to be in the presence of God, it's given to us. It's placed on our shoulders, and our punishment is placed on his. All he asks is that we put our faith in him. All he asks is that we be humble and we say, God, I realize I'm I'm your enemy. I realize that I'm at odds with you. I realize that I'm not good enough to do this myself and I am in a bad way if it's up to me to solve this problem. He asks that you be humble and simply admit that you can't save yourself and simply admit That his offering of Christ and his perfect life and his death on the cross and the fact that he raised him from the dead three days later, that that is enough. And he asks you to believe in that. He asks you to call upon the name of the Lord so that you can be saved. He asks that you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead and you'll be saved. I'm asking you today if that's news to you, 
you're here for that, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 10th time, but if you feel like the Lord is doing something in your heart, let me just ask you, please, today, let me plead with you. Would you believe? Would you put your faith in Christ today? Would you let salvation come to your house today? Faith is the only right response to the good news of the gospel. And I'm asking you today to put your faith in Christ. Stop being an enemy of God. Lay down your weapons and come to him as his friend, as his child. Now to everybody else, maybe you have experienced the kindness and mercy of God and you're a follower of Christ. And let me just ask what's holding you back. What's standing in the way of loving your enemies the way that Christ has loved you? God is willing to help you practice this counterintuitive love. If you would just ask the Lord to search your heart, if you would ask him to show you who your enemies are and ask you or ask him to help you love them the way that he loves you. One very simple thing you can do is pray these very verses and plug in the name of your enemy. Let me give you an example. Don't worry, I'm not going to like throw my enemies' names out there. Um, I'll use myself as an example. Maybe some of you will find that gratifying. I don't know. <laughs> but I say to you who hear, Lord, you say, love your enemies. Help me to love David. Lord, please help me to do good to David even though he hates me. Lord, would you please bless David even though he curses me? Help me to pray regularly, continually for David, though he abuses me. And on and on and on. Make it a daily prayer until the Lord softens your heart towards that person. Lord, help me to show kindness to him. Help me to show mercy to her, like you've done to me. I'll also say, protect yourself from bitterness. Bitterness is something that creeps in and uh, a tool of the enemy that will divide us, even inside our churches, will divide us and separate us, rob us from our joy in the Lord. It will ruin our testimony and our witness to the Lord and our ability to share the gospel. Pray and ask the Lord that he protect you from bitterness against your enemy. Listen, I'll just, I'll just say it. Election year starts tomorrow. We got a lot of opportunity to practice love for our enemies, don't we? Whole lot. Let 2024 be a year that we try this. It's not going to be easy as you seek to obey this command. Things are probably going to get uncomfortable at best, painful or violent at worst. But in order to be struck on the cheek, you have to be within striking distance. That means you shouldn't simply just avoid your enemies. And that's not the same as love. Don't mistake avoiding your enemies for obeying this command of Christ. Because when you do, you're choosing disobedience over discomfort. And for anyone that might say, I don't have enemies, I would ask, why not? Remember Christ's own words. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. 
I especially like the way an old poem puts it. If you have none, small is the work that you have done. You've hit no traitor on the hip. You've dashed no cup from perjured lip. You've never turned the wrong to right. You've been a coward in the fight. Let us not be ashamed of doing the work of our Lord. Let our work for Him not be considered small. And let us not be cowards, even if it means that we make enemies. Let us be like Christ. Let us love our enemies. If you were encouraged by today's sermon, leave us a rating and subscribe to the podcast. To learn more about First Baptist Church Martin, visit fpcmartin.org.